Are you a clinician who's interested in adding a gym to your clinic? We have great online courses over at clinicgymhybrid.com. We have some courses on the most important thing, which is hiring a trainer, how to do that, how to hire them well, and who not to hire. We also have some great courses all about regressions and coaching and a bunch of other great stuff. Some of them are led by me. Some of them are led by our amazing co-instructors like Cody Demack and Dan Swinsko, Kurt Kippenberger, and others. But I'd love to have you check it out. So head over to clinicgymhybrid.com and check out our online courses because they cover the most important subjects within that clinic gym model. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. This is Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited for you to be on this journey. Look, when I started my Clinic Gym Hybrid back in 2013, I didn't have a place to go for resources. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're here. I hope you dig this interview. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited today to be joined by an old friend, well, actually, we graduated in the same chiropractic class, uh, Dr. Naoto Hashimoto. Naoto, what's up, man? Thanks for having me, Josh. Absolutely. Uh, look forward to being here. Good. I've been looking forward to this. We're out at the Parker Seminars in Las Vegas, and I think for three days I've been trying to find time to record with you, and uh, you've had people at your booth. I've been walking around, so finally it's coming together. That's perfect. Should be fun. Yeah. So, Nando, you, uh, we graduated, you started practicing up in Seattle, and you started your own practice in uh, Palm Springs, and I don't want to say recently, fairly recently, you started diving into data more, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which is awesome, because you have a background in science and, you know, uh, human, like, treating, treating people, and it's like, oh, that dude became, like, a data scientist, essentially. <laughs> kind of, not really, but yeah. yeah. Well, uh How'd you end up with data? Like, I mean, your, your, your program, it's called TrackStat, everybody, TrackStat.org. It, diving into data, how'd you end up there from a guy, in, you know, I mean, you've taken SFMA, you've taken TPI, you've taken all these things that, have, that aren't data-driven, right? But now you're like, oh man, people need to look at these numbers. Well, um, it really comes down to patient tracking, right? Okay. Uh, a lot of people think it's track stat because you're tracking stats, but you're actually doing patient tracking, getting more of them to show up for their first visit, uh, make it to an ROF. If you're going to do an ROF, get them to finish their care plan, go into maintenance care. Because in the reality of it, a lot of people will have their offices run by an 18 to 35-year-old admin, male or female, and most of the time they're not motivated or jazzed by stats, unless their bonus is directly tied into it. Yeah. So our software is really an activities-based software, and there's a lot of unleveraged data in the software. We know the billing information. We know how much they pay per visit. We know how much they paid. We know their visit history. We know how long they've been out of the office. We know if they're a prepay. We know if they're on a treatment plan. We know if they're not. And the front desk, have you ever worked at a front desk before? I mean, doing my own kind of organizing stuff before we had anybody, but that was yeah. moons ago, many it, moons. It's hard. Like I remember yeah. um, volunteering as an intern when I was a student working for like one of my mentors. Yeah. And it's a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> like the phone's awesome. ringing, yeah. uh, patients are coming in, patients are coming out. Yeah. And like they might be on the phone and yeah. you just forget to do stuff. So they have to wear, wait for air quotes downtime. So yeah. what our software does is it allows the front desk to do a lot of micro tasks because we have that data and we know 
based on visit history, we know if they're prepay, we know the more valuable patients, we'll have a list of them to reach out to. And they can reach out to one or two patients in between yeah. while someone's getting checked in. Um, and they're also measured on their rescheduling rate when the patient leaves. So you'll know you're normal. Some people might be 95%, your practice might be 50%, your practice might be 75%, but you know you're normal. So if you see that number dipping, you know mm -hmm. that the numbers and revenue are gonna dip in the future. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's go back real quick because working on the front desk, I think what you described, you know, that busy person that's got phone calls and, you know, scheduling and this and that, that is the, they're being forced in the definition of working in the business instead of on the business, right? Yeah. And it, as I think back to it, I think most of the times I've heard people really discuss numbers and, and improvements has always been like an office manager who's not forced to sit at the front desk. The front desk just has so many tasks in an hour that I don't think there's any clear thinking time. But what you've done is just don't, you're not asking that person to dive in themselves. You're like, hey, this is what, we know these numbers all affect all practices. Let's just pull them out so you can start looking at it without doing any extra work. Yeah, and it's just, we focus on activities and we make it easy for them to find the cancel they miss without a future appointment. We give them an easy way to communicate with them, an mm -hmm. easy way to do follow-up. Just mm -hmm. like I said, with the recalls, we focus on people on a treatment plan first and then the more valuable patients after that. Someone that came in for a free cup of coffee six months ago, you know, you could get to them if you have time, but yeah. you don't have to. And that's what the front desk should focus on. And if they do those daily activities, your numbers go up. So when you're talking to people who maybe are like, I've never tracked that stuff, I've never looked at it, everybody wants new patients, right? They all want people walking in the door. I have a feeling though, when you said like, hey, people that came in six months ago for the free, you know, cup of coffee, you said, but free appointment or whatever. In most practices that you see, if people just call those on the treatment plan, like if they just work those top three levels, people on a treatment plan, you know, and make sure all the, that, that group of three has an appointment coming up or comes in, is that usually enough to keep the, the practice full? Of course. Like, if someone's seeing 100 visits a week, they're yeah. usually seeing 105, 110 okay. in a short order of time without any more new patients. Okay. Right? It's just, you'd be surprised at how many people let a potential patient fall through the cracks or someone that came in for one visit and didn't come in for two. Someone that started a plan that you recommended, say 12 to 18 visits, but they dropped out in five visits when their symptoms started so getting better. So just sending them a quick text, just call them on the phone and being like, hey, we, you haven't come in, so getting them from five to six to seven, and then they kind of break over and finish out their care plan. Yeah, it's just, you know, like some people hate the Mercy Guidelines, but Mercy Guidelines, that's where they looked at like PhD, PhDs, MDs, and chiros, they tried to figure out what the yeah. ideal treatment plan was, and they came up with three times a week for about a month, and one time a week for four to eight weeks. Love or hate it, but that's still, you know, like, it's, yeah, but it's, a, it's, it's something. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of docs will have patients finish in five visits, mm -hmm. and I know we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. like, you know, it takes 12 weeks to make a functional improvement in strength, right. and how are you getting them fixed in five visits, right? Yeah. And what the hell are you gonna measure that showed any improvement at five visits? Yeah. I mean, that's like, if you treated me today, like a week from next Wednesday, I'm gonna be done. Yeah, so like, it's just, yeah. just getting them to finish their plan, yeah. whether you, in, 
some people don't believe in maintenance care, but like I get adjusted every two weeks. I feel and function better. Mm -hmm. uh, so like I do think that you should do some kind of maintenance care and we yeah. make it easy uh, for people that don't do a auto debit program. Um, you should probably really consider doing it because it's one of the best ways to get people to continue with care. And we have something in there that makes it easy to manage an auto debit program. Okay. Some people will have a software uh, for managing the payments, yeah. but they don't have a way of managing people on the plan. Because if they're not using it, you're going to cancel it. Mm. Like, if you're using a subscription and you never use it, you're probably going to cancel it, right? Yeah. Well, I always think, like, I've used this example in some of our teaching. If you had to write a check every month to Netflix, like, what would the average stick rate be? <laughs> like, yeah. it'd be three months, right? And then you'd be like, ah, we're not really watching or whatever. But the fact they're auto-billing you... I've been a member for seven, I mean, since we went to school together, for God's sakes, like 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And, and I've never stopped. And it's like, God dang it, that'd be so easy in the practice. And then, I don't know if you've had this, but like I've had front desk people that enter the charges in wrong or, you know, they, they run, the, the bill's supposed to be whatever, $55. And then in the credit card terminal, they enter some other number. And it's like, my God, like all that stuff. And if you're auto billing, you eliminate all that stuff, right? All yeah, those. We, we make it make it easy and remove the friction. So we talked yeah. about like, that's one way that you get visits up. And if okay. they actually measured the future scheduling rate, like when people leave the office, are they scheduling their next one? You're never really going to hit 100%. So these are people, I just want to make sure, because this number is super powerful. You, we had a discussion earlier about it. These are people that are, hey, you've already had your new patient exam. The person has agreed, hey, let's, I want to be treated. You have the solution I need, blah, blah, blah. They're coming into your office. And the number you're talking about is how many people leave your office with another appointment scheduled, at least one. Correct. And okay. you look at new ones, day twos, and existing patients. But uh, after looking at several hundred doctors, uh, practices that are hitting 75% or higher are growing. Practices our average client is about 50%. We have clients as high as 95%, 96%, but the ones at 75% or higher with a future scheduling rate, they're all in growth mode. Wow. So let me just say that again, because what we talked about is the easiest way to grow practice would be to just make sure that 75% of the people walking out the door have another visit scheduled. Yeah. Easy enough, yeah. right? Now it could be, I have four scheduled, You're in, they're leaving the eighth and I have four all the way through their 12th yeah. visit, or just one more, it doesn't matter. That's the big number. Look at dentists, right? Have you ever left the dentist's office without a future appointment? They're, they're really I've good I've tried, but yeah, they accost you before you can get to the parking yeah. lot. Yeah. They, they, they have the door closed, yeah. you have to pay, you have to schedule the next one. There's a dog there, bar across the door. Yeah, yeah so dentists, I think, do this the best out of all providers. Yeah. And Well, the do. other thing is they don't have, they're not gonna see you 12 times this year. Yeah. They got Two shot, right? This shot and then one more time and that's the whole year, right? Yeah, and you know, it's not for every practice. Like yeah. we have some clients, like I got a client, he sees like 500 visits a week. He's got like a 5% future schedule rate. He's got like a walk-in model, kind of like the joint. Everyone's yeah. on a membership. Uh, uh, so everyone's on a membership and it it totally works. So like, it's not an end-all be-all method, right. but you know, the guy's clearly proven his yeah. model works and it's very similar to the joint. It's just not like yeah, the yeah. joint. Okay. Everyone's on a monthly auto debit and you know, they're yeah. kind of on a plan, but like they don't schedule their next visits. Right. They just walk in. But you have over a, a few hundred offices to say, keep that number above 75% and you'll be growing. 
Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Something else that people should really look at if you're yeah. really trying to look at where you're having a problem. Yeah. Like a lot of people talk about patient visit average. And okay. I do think patient visit average gives you an idea, gives you a problem. Like I talk, it's, yeah. like, it's like if a patient came into your office and said, I don't feel good. You want to mm -hmm. know where do you not feel good? What makes it not feel good? Mm -hmm. When does it not feel good? And that gives you information. But PVA is just a general, I don't feel good. Like, okay. what do you, like you've heard of PVA before. And that's, yeah. uh, you know, like you take your patient visits divided by your new patients. And some people will get patient visits divided by converted patients. So, like, I know a lot of consultants love it, teach it. It's been around in the profession. But I like patient drop-off analysis. It's a lot more diagnostic. So, let's, let's go back. PVA would be... Uh, on average, the patients in my office uh, come in 12.8 times, yeah, right? something like so that. Something like that. Okay. And is there a, just in that, I know we're going to dive deeper, but in that, is there a number where you think the PVA is a red light, like flashing red light, you got to get, get on it? Is it under 12, under 8? Under 20? It, it, it's going to range. Okay. Like, you know, like there's some people talk about a 300-something PVA. Uh, there's some people that are like 15 or 20. It's your normal. There's no right or wrong. There's yeah. different types of practitioners Well, I think if it there. gets into the single digits, just from my thinking, and maybe you've seen the data to, if you're only seeing four visits per person, the number of new patients you need to sustain that business it, is it, astronomical, right? Yeah, like, and everyone has a different practice style. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, if you're going to have staff, you need to generate probably about $500 an hour. Like if you have like almost no staff, you need to generate 250 an hour and you need to okay. figure out what you need to do to make that work. You either need to charge more for your services or you need to see more people per hour to make that work. Yep. And if you want to keep your doors open, pay off your debts, you got to hit that number. Yeah. No right or wrong, figure out your model that works so for your practice. So 500 bucks an hour with a staff member is about the average what you see. No. No, I, but sorry, like that's a number you, you should hit. Should hit to be healthy and pay all your debts. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you got like no staff or like yeah. maybe one staff, like you need to generate at least 250 bucks an hour, okay. but it should be higher than that because okay. you do have admin time, you have other time and you know, like you need to pay off your debts. But like yeah. patient drop off analysis, yeah. essentially you could take a look, do an audit of all your new patients, say in a time period, say like a couple months ago to like five months ago and take a look at all those new patients that came in that time period and you look at what visit number they went at. So you count up all the people that made it to only visit one, all the people that only made it to visit two, all mm. the people that made it to visit three. And then you're looking at that drop-off. So if you see that there's a big drop-off between visit three and visit five, yeah. you know that you need to fix that process. Okay. So that's a lot more diagnostic than PVA. So let's dive into that a little bit. I mean... When you look at these numbers and you see like fall off at three or five, peel it back. What 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 do you see are often reasons for that? Well, first visit needs to be a good one. Uh, so that's uh, that's an issue I see with a number of offices. Is that eighty percent of the problem? Like if you can nail the first visit, first visit experience is critical. Okay. Because like if your day two is a problem, yeah. it happened in day one. Okay. So I'm asking this question partly because. I talked to a person who was making a huge deal about what patients reported at 30 days in. Yep. And I said, man, why don't you get a review at like day, you know, like the second visit, ask for a review. And I had heard that from a, someone else saying, the day two review is a reflection of how good you're doing starting the relationship. At 30 days, a lot of your mistakes are being 
brushed over, right? Because yeah. if you're at 30 days, you're only getting the people that you succeeded with, right? Is this asking for an online review or yeah, a review that was the, of the care? The online review. That's what Online reviews, ask early, ask often. That's, yeah. uh, that's the name of the game. And law of reciprocity states that you need to deli- ask for that sooner. Like a lot of big mistake that a lot of people make is they ask too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I did a favor for you and I asked for a review yeah. five minutes later, there's the a review. higher chance of me getting a review right. versus me asking the next day. Make that five process days, as easy for people days. as possible. Yeah, make it fast and frictionless. Yeah. But the first Send a text visit, message with your link. Don't ask them to log into Google, find our place, and then blah, blah. Like, you're but not like, thing. first visit, like, it, it kills me. Like, uh, the whole selling process, the experience starts long before they came. They yeah. saw your reviews, they saw your website, they scheduled. Make it fast and frictionless. If they want to schedule online, allow them to do that. If they don't, make it easy for them to schedule in the office. You don't need to ask them a million questions. And then ideally have them fill out the paperwork before they even arrive to the office, right? People start counting the time of that first visit when they arrive. So if it takes 45 minutes to fill out the paperwork and you spend an hour with them and you're asking them to come back three times a week, they think an hour and 45 minutes. Gosh dang, I can't come here an hour and 45 plus drive time three times a week. So then they're gonna say no. Mm, So like if you get your paperwork done before they arrive, you can greet them by name. And then in our office, you'll check in get asked for, a, they'll offer you a beverage of choice, and then they will take your picture, get your vitals, get you in a room, watching a video about the first visit of what to expect on your first visit. Yeah. Right, like that's happening in like two, three minutes. Can you look at uh, graphs? So, you know, like, you know, Greg Rose, and he put up some graphs yesterday, like of uh, 3D motion capture. Yeah. And he can tell you, like, what swing fault somebody has looking at those graphs. Can you look at graphs and go, like, this is a, you guys need to focus on your first visit experience. Or look at the graph and go, like. Um, Patient drop-off analysis yeah, yeah. is going to show you where that problem is. Right. And you could But, I mean, look can at, you, like, after 300 whatever visit, like, 300 offices, like, look at those stats and go, I can tell you what the problem is or where I would intervene? Yeah, that's fairly simple. Uh, the inter- the, the- <laughs> it's simple to a dude who's looked at over 300 offices yeah. and looking at the stats. But for those listeners, because most of us have never broken it down that way, right? Yeah. And not ever compared it to the five chiropractors down the street. Like, right? It's only, hey, I know my numbers and that's all I'm saying. I think an advantage you have is you know averages. Now, you got to correct for practice type, like you said. Yeah. But you know averages and you can see common problems. Yep. Absolutely. And then you'll see some providers in the practice that are better than others, right? Some of them are, you know, some people hate the idea of retention, but you're just trying to get them to finish the prescription of care, like the prescribed care plan. And if you yeah. recommend five visits, 12 visits, 18 visits, okay. if they finish, fulfill their recommendations and they adhere to their treatment plan, they're more likely to get the outcome that you told them that they're going to get. You're more likely to get a referral, a review. It's yeah. good for your bottom line. It's good for your office. Yeah. It feels good when you're getting people better, but yeah. you're not fixing people in three or four visits. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> there's a funny study out there. It's like the number one risk factor for to blow your ACL playing professional level basketball, the highest correlation was time on the court. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the bench warmers don't actually go to a lot of blown out ACLs because they're sitting down. Like, yeah. you know, I call it the, the, the NSS, the no crap Sherlock uh, study, right? 
and people don't get a lot better when they don't come in your office. Like, yeah. you know, like for spine pain conditions, people that never show up for the first visit, I would guess their outcomes are worse than those who do show up. Well, yeah, and like uh, in the U.S., what do they spend? Like, I think it's like $20 billion a year or something like that related to low back injuries. Right. It's uh, one of the most common reasons why people miss work. Yeah. Um, it's one of the most common reasons why people go on disability. But yeah. low back pain is extremely common, and you're not fixing function in three or four visits. Right. Maybe some of the listeners on the call are. Uh, it's like, Show us the ways, baby. I've studied this a long know, time. I'd like, love to know. I'm going to hang out with yeah. them. They'll turn water yeah. into wine, and we'll have a good time. That's right, yeah. Now, I mean, you don't have to shove those four visits into one week, like, but or 12 visits into four weeks, like you said, the mercy guidelines. But even taking care over long term, just making sure that there's another visit scheduled, even if it's a week from now or two weeks from now, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just, just like the dentist. They always have that next visit. Nice. So... You've looked a ton. I know that you, you know, you know your numbers and you know other numbers. Can you tell us maybe a story? Talk a little bit about a story of somebody that like had an epiphany moment, a client, and it changed their practice. Like I think the the epiphany moment for a lot of people is when they actually look at their future schedule rate and the patient drop off analysis, and it's usually an unfortunate epiphany for some. Okay. Because they think their patients are making it to a certain number. Mm. And then when they actually look at the numbers, they realize that a lot of people are dropping off, say, at visit three, four, yeah. five. And then they got to fix that. So that's mm-hmm. usually one of the epiphanies they have. And then another one is like just that future schedule rate or the rescheduling rate of canceled miss. It's not one specific person. It's actually a, yeah. a lot. Well, I would I'm, say I'm guessing half that the clients... Installed your thing, started looking at clean numbers that you know can affect things, and just started seeing huge revenue change or huge, or realize, hey, this doctor is not a fit for this practice. They just everybody falls off. Yeah, it's just we have different groups of people. Like we have a number of people that we get referrals from coaching groups. So yeah. like they tend to be better about this. They're measuring this manually already and they're already working on that. So like- they already paid somebody $10,000 to be in that room, right? More than that, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) So it's like, uh, so it's like, usually I don't get an epiphany from them. A lot of the times epiphanies will come from someone that's like running and gunning on their own and they finally realize this is where they're having the problems. And once they start working on those problems, visits go up. Revenue goes up because another thing that we tell them to track is their dollar per visit average. And that dollar per visit average is often a lot lower than people think it is. People are looking at their a la carte cash rate that they want to collect. And then there's a rate that they actually collect because there's write-offs and no pays and discounts and all those things. That's another one that people are kind of surprised at. Have you had a client where you're like, you ask them what they think it is and then you show them the actual number? Yeah, a lot of times. It's like I have uh, one what? client, uh, they treated a family of five once yep. a week for a year and collected zero dollars because someone wrote it off one time and then the next person just continued writing it off and they kept writing oh it off God. over and over again. And because uh, that's one of the things that we make it easy. So we have like essentially like a pre-day prep, kind of almost like a pre-chef huddle sheet where you have a view where you could see everything like balances, next visit, last visit, insurance information and all that 
all on one view with a simple way to push an alert back into the EHR. Mm. And these people had a bunch of visits, but they paid zero dollars. So like, you know, one of the trainers says like, well, are they friends or family or something like that? He's like, no, they're, they're supposed to be paying. It's like, and they didn't believe that it was true. Then we had to go, they logged into their EHR and they took a look and they realized that it was getting written off over and over again. And, you know, someone wrote it off one time and the next person wrote it off and the next person wrote it off. It's kind of like... Like the same as last treatment kind of thing. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. when you just click the box and you think, ah, it's fine, whatever it was last time and you don't track the fact that they're developing red flags and shit in front of your eyes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like, um, I always joke, it's kind of like uh, Great Aunt Mary uh, put like this special herb or something like that on the turkey uh, and then everyone else kept doing the same thing yeah. and it turns out that great aunt mary only put that herb on the turkey because she ran out of say a rosemary it's like yeah. i don't like prep turkeys but like she did it a different way just because they ran yeah. out of that ingredient in the store and then everyone just continued it on thinking it was a tradition but it's just because she ran out and yeah. people do that all the time they just okay, it was done this way last time. We just keep doing it right. over and or over again. you get again. a new employee who assumes that the way the last person did it was right. Yeah. And really, they don't know that person was violating the process the whole time. This is like, I don't know. She seems smarter than me. She seems like she, you know, she has seniority. I'll do it that way. Yeah. You know? So it's just, you know, I'd say the moral of the story is like not telling you how to practice, but like you do have to pay your bills. Yeah. You worked hard. Uh, you went to school. You took on risk. Uh, you know, we all went to school for years. Mm -hmm. We know people like my brother-in-law. He's an electrician. Does very well. He didn't, well, he did school, but like he was earning money while he was getting his, going through yeah. trade school. And he was generating money that whole time. We get out several years later yeah. and we have all this debt. And mm -hmm. then now we have to help people. And a lot of us will tend to discount our, yeah. discount our expertise and we just want to give it away to everyone, but you can't. You got to pay right. your bills. You got to pay off your debt. You got to yeah. pay your mortgage. You got to support your kids and you can't support your community. You can't support future patients if you go out of business. Yeah. So figure out your number. Like if you're super low overhead with like no staff, it's probably maybe 250 an hour, but like you probably need to hit $500 an hour. For every hour. By the For way. every hour. Thing. Like a lot of times people go like, oh yeah, I collected 400 an hour. It's like, what they're looking at is the best hour or three hour yes. period they have in the week. But it's like, yeah, spread that over the 35 hours you're open. And now that average falls to 175, that's why you feel like you're not making any progress. Yeah, but you, you figure out what you need to earn per hour, yeah. your working hours, and then you can figure out what your dollar per visit average is. Then you can figure out how many patients need to fit in that block. Yeah. And you could either charge more for your services and see less people or see more people, mm. but you're not allowed to complain about being broke if you're not willing to make a change. Nice. I know that you've been through you know, a ton of different um, uh, groups and, and uh, part of some amazing, both in the chiropractic space and, and other places, uh, amazing masterminds and whatnot and practice groups and all that. Um, and you obviously ran a successful practice yourself. Were there any numbers that people asked you for that you were like, that's not going to matter? And then you pull them up and you're like, wow, that's actually really good or anything you you didn't think of at first your clients were like holy crap this is this is our our our, our measurement um well we take a number I'll tell of you one for me well, this is while yeah. you can think about your example while i tell you this you know my wife and uh, our wives actually were roommates in chiropractic college for everybody listening uh and we were trying we were trying to get her to delegate more tasks 
And so it's like, how do you measure that, right? How do you measure delegation? And so the task or the thing I used was, how many times a week would I find her at lunch reading a, a she likes to read these like fantasy books, you know? So like if she was reading, it meant she had to have a low stress environment or she never would have picked up the book, right? So I was like, we hit that three times a week. I know she's delegating because there's no way she would do that with fires burning, you know? So I was like, this weird thing of reading books was a marker for me of like, oh, we're successfully delegating tasks. Can you think of any that you, uh, any markers that you're like, wow, that actually turned out to be a great number or interesting? Uh, like a lot of the consultants before have um, come up with a lot of the numbers. We just try to make things simple. Essentially, you have your attraction type numbers which are gonna be your online reviews. The more okay. reviews you have, yep. the more trust you build before people come. Yep. New patient scheduled, new patient shows, and new patient conversions. That's something that you need to look at. Patients that finish their care plan, that's something that you need to look at. Or you could just focus high level and just focus on um, attraction numbers, patient visits, future scheduling rate. Mm. But like um, the weekly patient visit and I'd say the dollar per visit average okay. are probably like, if I'm gonna pick two, that's it. And then there's substats of that. Like, how yeah. do you get your patient visits up? Well, and maybe you don't wanna get them up. But like, if you're trying to get your patient visits up, you need to convert, attract and convert more new ones into care. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure everyone leaves with a future appointment yeah. or hit that 75% or higher. Yeah. You need to reschedule more of those canceled and missed appointments without a future appointment. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's like more or less it. Like all the other stuff is like nice if you want to drill yeah. down it, but like I like simple. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one of the reasons it's easy for you to keep it simple is you've dove into all and you have an understanding, right? Like, and you're like, ah, I, I know that these are reliable. I'm trying to think of the people listening. What what are they, you know, it, thinking it just, in their mind? And sometimes it just we see different ends. Like we have some clients that don't track anything. Yeah. And then we have some clients that track too many things that it loses its value. But like you want to track because like a lot of well statistics really in reality you're looking at trends and they're all lagging indicators. Yeah. But you if you just just focused on your weekly visits and your future scheduling rate, that makes a big difference. So okay. like, you know, like I'll, like we'll tell them and like yeah. our front desk, we focus on, we'll look at visits this week and visits next week. On Monday, they'll see, are they gonna hit their goal? Based on the show percentage, are they gonna hit their goal? And then they grind all week filling the schedule and getting more and more people on there. Yeah. And then they make sure people leave with a future appointment. Right. And those are things that they have control over. Do you, um have people use that, the, the software as well to identify, or do they realize sometimes like, man, we like those, I'm thinking of like ASH patients, right? Like you gotta do a pre-authorization, you gotta do all this. And what I think we ran into was, it's not what the average collection was because that was the average collection for people we collected on. How many did we not get authorized or how many fell off? And you're like in that weird, um, authorization land or pre-auth land where you, you're either asking for or you're waiting for another one or you haven't got it back, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, you're like, this, we should never use this. Like we should no longer continue this health plan because it's just not profitable. 
Yeah. I was like, I like the acronym ASHIT for that one. <laughs> ASHIT. They're actually the reason, I need to thank them, they're the reason why I went cash years ago. Because uh, <laughs> I worked for uh, one of my mentors in Seattle yeah. and then started working in California. And I said, I told my wife, I told Nora that I'm either going to slip my wrists, mm-hmm. change careers, yeah. or quit taking ash. Yeah. And uh, I'm here talking today. Did she today. pause for a while? <laughs> she, no. She's like, let me she go check like, out the life insurance policy and decide and, now. And, and eventually, I convinced her to quit. Because yeah. like we ran the numbers. Because she was super busy because yeah. she was a chiro and an acupuncturist. Yeah. And she was like just slamming with acupuncture. And okay. She, uh, she was a- easily able to see 15 acupuncture patients a day. So if any of you guys know acupuncture, that's like it's a pretty decent number. So she'd yeah. see 15, 18, sometimes 20. Yeah. And that's we awesome. ran the numbers. And she could lose 80% of her patients and charge her normal cash rate and still make more money than she was taking ash. So, like, it took Hold a little... Hold on a second. <laughs> I hope everybody just heard that story. Yeah. You calculated the numbers and yeah. realized that if she charged all cash rate, she could literally see 80% fewer patients yeah. and still make more. Yeah, and she lost, like, maybe 30% of the people. So she, she, she did a lot better. Yeah. Made a lot more. Yeah. She didn't no. have to fill out those it's pre-authorization perfect thing, though. Forms. Like, how hard was she working to not make that much money? Oh, it was I it know was Nora. She's a, she's a hard-ass worker. And you, she's running around like a fiend to make a, a little bit of money, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what you're saying. Yeah, and it was uh, it was horrible. But she was stressed out. So, and obviously, it's scary at the time, right? Yeah. But yeah. like, I was generating a decent chunk of revenue at the time, so yeah. it wasn't as scary. But if you're only on ash, yeah. it's it sucks. Get off ash, yeah. and like you know, the patients. Some of the patients will leave, but a lot of the patients will stay. They value you. Yeah. They value your service. But it's dollar per visit average. you got to track that. And you can't just track it on the ones that you have your paydays on. It's dollar yeah. per visit average yeah. across the board. The ones it's, you, it's crazy. It's the ones you take crazy. it in the shorts, the ones you get paid on. Yeah. But dollar per visit average is something you got to track. So do you offer like an audit for people? Can they chat with you and talk about these numbers in their own practice or do a demo or something? What, what works They can talk about it, but the easiest thing is proof. Uh, just We do a free install. I'll give them a walkthrough on how to use the software and then they could just use it for free. And then you if send they like, like a it, bottle of whiskey and Kleenex over as well, like <laughs> sit down when you see these numbers pop up. It might not be a good day. Uh, it's, it, it is what no. it is, right? Uh, it's and, like that, that there's a Dan Sullivan always says, all, all progress starts by telling the truth, right? Yeah, exactly. You're, you're just telling the truth about the numbers. Yeah, and then, like, I have, um, you know, one of my clients, he was in, he's in Washington. You know, he was trying to decide whether, and it wasn't Ash, it was another one that sucked. Yeah. And he was looking at it, and he's like, okay, well, let's just take a look. We took a look at all the visits that he had in the last year, and in about three seconds, we could see all the patients, how many total visits, how much he collected per visit, total revenues and it's very quick to figure out that calculation and if you wanted to segment by age sex so on you could do that but most people they just focus on insurance well if they're interested in getting a demo or doing that install where can they go Uh, they go to trackstat t-r-a-c-k-s-t-a-t dot org they click the button watch a demo They'll watch a short little demo. There's yeah. a spot in there to click to schedule a Zoom. Okay. They just call, answer. I'd answer any kind of questions yeah, yeah. or the other 
kind of like demo expert would answer any questions. And if they feel comfortable moving forward, we just do an install. Awesome. Give them a walkthrough on how to use it with their own data okay. and let them use it for free. No strings attached. All right. So that's trackstat.org. Yep. Org, 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 not, uh, not com. Yep. They can cool. email us at support.trackstat.org too. Fantastic. Well, Noda, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. I'm glad we got to cover this. Uh, I'd love to chat with you in a year and see what numbers have popped up, if any, that... Or maybe it comes back to those simple ones like you talked about, but uh, that's the thing about data is they always find new and you know cross-comparing. It's always uh, interesting what they're, what develops, right? So I really appreciate your time today and I hope everybody checks out the product so they can get start seeing those numbers in their practice. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinic gymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients. 